Church, I am turning now to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, verses 7 through 10. I'm going to invite you out of respect for the good news of our Lord and Savior to please stand this morning and hear these words from our Lord. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is, church, the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, church, I, I wanted to speak a moment about uh, the Gospel of John. It is a very uh, unique uh, text to uh, the reader and certainly to uh, the body of Christ. One thing that I want to mention about uh, the Gospel of John is this, that this uh, Gospel out of the four Gospels was the one book that was written much later. Uh, than the other three, okay? The audience that uh, the Apostle John was speaking to was also a very different audience. It was not a Jewish audience, but in fact, a Gentile audience. And, and it said, uh, it's been said rather that uh, this particular audience uh, was a very learned audience, a, a Greek audience, in fact. So, John was looking for a very uh, clever, creative, uh, but profound way to speak to this audience about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, within this gospel, we have many uh, things that really just stand out. You know, if you read uh, the Gospel of John, it just it sounds different uh, as you're reading it. Maybe, maybe you read God's Word uh, out loud. When I'm reading it out loud, it just has a different tone, a different rhythm to it, okay? One of the unique things about uh, the Gospel of John are these I am sayings, okay? The I am sayings are only in the fourth gospel, okay? Now, here's what I want to tell you about these I am sayings, okay? Because they are revealing something to the person of faith, and that is the divine status of Jesus Christ himself. I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but I want to show you what I'm talking about. Here are the I am statements in the Gospel of John. The sixth chapter, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay? The next one, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. 
Thirdly, I am the door, John 10, 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, verses 11 and 14. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And then the last one, I am the vine, John 15, verse 1 and 5. Okay? Now, Jesus is using these I am statements to offer something to the listener, to the audience, then in Jesus' day, but also for us this day. When Jesus is saying, I am, okay, he's speaking of who he is, okay? And that is the Son of God, the Son of Man. He is, in fact, the God-man that he is proclaiming, but he's using everyday things to speak about his divine status, everyday things that you and I and the audience back then could pick up on, everyday things that you and I see and use and know about, okay? Let me make another connection about the I am statements. So you go and you read in the book of Exodus, okay, where Moses is beginning his journey, Moses goes off by himself, Scripture tells us, and there he sees this bush. The bush is on fire, but here's the miracle of this bush. The bush is not consumed with fire, that being the presence of the Almighty. The first thing that God Almighty says to Moses, as this bush is being consumed, is, Moses, take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground. This is a divine encounter that a human man has with the Almighty. So he takes the sandals off, and as they have this dialogue, it comes up, who are you, Lord? Pay attention to what God says. He says, I am who I am, you see? So we can think of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in a way as the new Moses. You see, because Moses of the Old Testament in the book of Exodus liberated the people from the Egyptians, from slavery. Jesus Christ is, in fact, the new Moses who liberated people from their sin, okay? The I am statements, very, very important, and we're making parallels and connections to the Old Testament as well. Wanted to point that out. So, let me pick up, church, with verse 9, uh, rather, verse 7 of chapter 10. It says this, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. So I was doing a little research in this week, trying to get my mind wrapped around the idea of a gate, okay? So at the parsonage, we have a hurricane gate. Uh, our neighbors have wood gates. So I'm thinking, okay, 
Woodgate, right? Okay. In Bible times, when you spoke of a gate, it wasn't made of wood. Why? Because rock, rocks were indigenous to that area. So let me give you a visual of what I'm talking about here. Look at this gate on your screen here. This would be a typical gate for a shepherd to put his flock of sheep in. A little bit about this. You'll notice the height. What, what, what I researched was that a typical sheep gate was anywhere from three to five feet in length, okay? Also, you'll notice this gate does not have a door on it, okay? And I'm going to get back to that in a moment because there's a powerful connection that I want to make as to why. Let me tell you a little bit about a gate, the context in which Jesus is speaking. So, at sundown, the shepherd would bring his flock into this gate, okay? Normally, it was one shepherd and a helper, a hand, if you will, that would help to assist. Sometimes, in fact, that a lot of these gates could hold not one flock, but several flocks. And if that was the case, then the sheep gate, the rock gate, would in fact be much higher, okay? So, sundown, this occurrence would happen. Now, Jesus makes reference in our text about thieves and robbers and wolves, killing, stealing, and destroying. Let me give you context there, okay? What he's speaking about is this. If there was an individual that would, in fact, climb over this gate, they would do it under the cover of darkness. Their intention was to do just that, as Jesus spoke about, to kill, steal, or destroy okay, the flocks that were, in fact, in this pen. Now, here's what's powerful that I want to get back to, okay? A lot of these gates did not have a door, and there was a specific reason to that, because the shepherd, listen to me, the shepherd was the door. Now, that just sent a cold chill down my spine, as it should for you as well. You see, the shepherd was the watchful eye. The shepherd was the protector of the sheep. His body was, in fact, the door that would literally lay across that opening in order to protect his sheep. Let me stop there, and let me pick up with a very familiar text for us all. I know that some of you even have this text memorized. It's a good text to know 
and to refer to the 23rd Psalm I'm talking about, okay? Knowing the context that you know now about a shepherd and what a shepherd was literally willing to do for his flock, hear the 23rd Psalm. This, by the way, is not in the King James Version. It is in the New Living Translation, so I just wanted to give you that heads up. Uh, so it's going to sound a, a little bit different than maybe uh, some of you were, were raised hearing. But, but hear this, and this comes from the shepherd himself, David, before he became king. He penned this. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. So, here's the takeaway. The shepherd is the door. The shepherd is the watchful eye for his sheep, for his people. Let me pick up now with verse 8. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will in fact be saved, Jesus says. You will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Church, the reason why the robbers, the thieves, and the wolves came under the cover of darkness was to do exactly what Jesus said that they would do. To kill, to steal, and destroy. You think about it. A thief, a robber, a wolf. Their intent always is to take, right? to take from you, to take from another. That is their motivation. That is their intent, to take away, never to give, never to give back, okay? So I got to thinking about that. I got to really praying about this text, and I thought, you know what? There are also people in this world that do the same exact thing, are there not? 
Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use my own words for a minute, but I'm thinking of those people who have a thieving heart. Their intent, their goal, their motivation is to take from you. More specifically, what I'm talking about spiritually, what I'm talking about is this, to take something very important from you, to, in a sense, steal your joy, church, a thieving heart, church, an individual whose intent is to steal joy from you. I think of that as an individual who does not have Jesus Christ on their heart and mind, a thieving heart, someone who wants to take. Now, when that happens, church, when you have an individual, maybe that person is a friend, maybe that person is a coworker, maybe that person is a family member whose goal, intent, motivation is to steal your joy, what does that do? Well, that will literally suck the life out of you, will it not? When that happens, church, our natural human tendency, when someone is sucking the life out of us, when someone who is, uh, whose goal is to steal our joy is to respond. Of course it is to respond out of anger. Maybe another way in which we respond is by just completely ignoring it and saying, hey, he or she is just that way. But somehow, some way, we respond to that because we know in our heart of hearts, that's just not right. You're not supposed to treat people that way. Let me challenge you to do something. The next time you have to be around or work or fellowship or break bread with somebody who is trying to steal your joy, someone who is trying to suck the life out of you, instead of responding or reacting in a hostile way, I want you to pause, to take a deep breath, to pray, and to step back and put some earnest, diligent, and faithful prayer in the name of Jesus over that person. And pray that you can respond to that person in a Christ-like manner. And maybe that means you need to take a break. You need to take a break from that situation. Maybe that means you need to take a break from that person for a while. But the last thing that God wants for you, church, is to have your joy stolen. The last thing that God wants for you, church, is to have the very life and spirit sucked out of you. 
So the first thing that we need to do for a thieving heart is to put faithful, earnest prayer to it for that individual. Pray for them by name, by the way, and pray for yourself too. Pray that you can interact and respond to them in a Christ-like way. I say all of that, okay, about a joy snatcher to say this. And let me close with this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is not a joy snatcher. Jesus Christ is not a thief or a bandit or a wolf in sheep's clothing. Jesus Christ is, listen to me, the door that leads to salvation, to forgiveness, to redemption. Church, listen to this. That door is open to you and to I. Maybe this very morning you don't feel worthy enough to give your heart, to give your full self to Jesus Christ. Maybe, in fact, you feel defeated. Maybe you're hurting inside. Here's what I want to reassure you of, that Jesus is the gate, and that gate is open without a door for a reason. It's open for a purpose, so that you and I might come in and receive and know full grace and full forgiveness by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's something that I hope you can hear this day and accept and take in and know that is gospel, biblical truth. Let me end with this scripture text that this was the Holy Spirit just working. It it was a text that I was reading uh, this week that happened to come, uh, as a matter of fact, in the 24th Psalm right after the Lord Shepherd Psalm of 23. Hear these words as we're thinking about Jesus being the gate. Open up, O ancient gates. Open up, O ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. 